All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. I have a guest here. When I was doing the podcast from my house, he reached out to me one day, and then we were doing it on audio. His name is Andrew Tesler. And for those that me remember, his story is absolutely phenomenal. So when he reached out to me and said, hey, Joe, I would love to come back on the show, and now, of course, we're in the studio, I could not resist. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome you Andrew Tesla. Andrew, how are you, brother? Joe, I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's good to be in person. Yeah, it's great to meet you yeah. in person. Like, you know what I mean? I had no idea what you look like. I had no, you know, it was just a voice back then. We're doing audio, talking on the phone. And uh, I remember just, you know, your story. I think you came on twice. Yeah, it's two times. It, yeah, yeah, two times, right? So, and I just remember your story. And I was, you know, when talking on the phone, you don't really do too much anymore, right? And I remember even when I used to be a big phone guy back when I, you know, because I'm, I'm young, older than you. And there's little incidents that you remember these great conversations and you remember where you were. You're in your mom's basement or you're in your kitchen, you're in whatever. And I remember specifically talking to you because I was so captivated by your story. So, you know, just for the people that don't know anything about you, just give us a little brief back, background about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm 32 now. I'm originally from Mount Sinai, out east a little bit next to Port Jeff. I've been in uh, Huntington for seven years now, my favorite town, and uh, I grew up, I played sports in high school, um, I had a really good childhood, went away to college, I went to UAlbany, did really well, partied a lot, so balancing act between the two, and uh, I- Albany's tough. That's very far up there. That's far upstate, right? That's what you said, Albany? Yeah, I mean- if you say that to somebody who lives in Rochester, they'll get offended that you're saying Albany's really upstate. But it's like three and a half hours. It's not. It's not too bad. No. No. And when you said you did a lot of partying, what do you mean by partying? Tell me about a couple of uh, <laughs> stories that you remember. Not too long ago. You're 32 years old, right? So it's ten, 10 years. years. Yeah, for me, ten years feels like an eternity. Oh, 10 years for <laughs> me is you know it's yesterday to be honest with you. But good. So. You're in Albany. What did you major in? Uh, business, marketing, management. They had a really good business school. Um, I was there one time, and it's not that nice of a school. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I was. I, I, you I talking was there recently, or no? I was, yeah. Now we're talking twenty years ago. It's, it's much different now. They, they changed the whole image of the party school to now. It's one of the better schools. The business school specifically is one of the best in the Northeast. Um, they were redoing the whole business school while I was there, so I didn't get the the perks of it yet. But I had a great time there. Uh, Get yeah. laid a lot there? Yeah. It, it's just a shit show. Blackout memory. There's no memories, you know, from going yeah, out. Yeah. So, like, I don't even count half of those because I don't remember them. Um, but I loved it there. Like I said, went out Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every single week. Um, every, every, like, week. clockwork, right? Yeah. They had the specials, two for five, everything at this one bar on Tuesdays. Recipe for disaster. I remember going, when I went there, I went and I partied there. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it was a couple of nights that we were there and we were partying. And we went down to some basement. They had an ice <laughs> luge down there, right? Is that what it was? It was some basement down there. Like a frat house. Yeah, or some yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. And it was everybody was drinking. One of the drink then, I remember doing shots of Black House. Mm. That's what it was. We were just all doing shots of Black House. We were all having a good time. But I just remember the place itself just being so dirty. You know, it was, it was snowing. It was freezing yeah, outside. Yeah, it was disgusting. So you're filthy. You come in. You got like eight layers of clothes. You finally take it off. But um. But those, you know, it was okay. But I didn't go, see, the thing about me is when I when I hear people saying that they, they went away, I didn't go away. I went and then I came back, right, real quick. And 
you know, was Albany your first choice because you said you were playing sports? Or was that something that, you know, you know hey, because I, I can't see myself being in New York and then wanting to go even further no, north no. and staying in New York. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, my decision making was based off the fact that I did not try in high school grade wise, like, you know, uh, taking tests, stuff like that. I had more of like a good time in high school and I didn't even apply for any schools. I went to Suffolk for one year and did really well there and then applied. I got into U the U. Um, in Miami? Miami? Yeah, but it was just so expensive and I decided I was going to go to a state school, but I was going to pick the state school on which one was the most fun. And I had. Isn't it crazy, right? That you. That's what I'm picking. I'm yeah. picking. What is the most fun? Not you know where I'm going to get the best education. You know who where I can network the best, where I could have the most fun, and pot. You know, and basically what you're saying, and pay the least. Yeah, you know, SUNY school. Um, like I had it where my parents got divorced. My dad was required to pay for a SUNY school. So I'm like, am I going to take out loans and go to the U, or am I going to go to? A SUNY school and have fun. I already had friends that were going there. They were there for a year, and all they did was talk about it and how absurd it was. And I, I had visited, and I was like, I need to go here. How many girls do you think that you banged in Albany? If you had to guess, um, a good amount. More than ten? Yeah. Oh yeah. More than twenty? <laughs> But I don't take pride in this now because oh, well, it's why like, not? Who cares? Back then, that, well, you know, it's not that you don't take pride in it. But back then, that's what it was about. You went there to go to party. No, I know. You didn't I go know. there, like you said. You didn't go there to really get an education. You went there, and when you talk about a, a heterosexual male, right? They go there to meet girls. That's what you're really saying. You're saying to go to a party, but where am I going to be able to hook up the most? Right? That's what I would think that you're saying. Yeah, it was it was very easy. Very easy, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you graduated there, I would assume, right? And what did you say that you got your in business? In business. So I graduated in 2012, um, a year after I should have, because I went away to Suffolk because I graduated high school in 07. And um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had this trip to Israel lined up for two and a half weeks. And I wound up staying there for like seven months in Israel. Uh, working as a bouncer at a bar. Well, hold on a second. You it's, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you come back home, right? And you're living back on Long Island in Huntington area, right? This is after school? After you graduated, you said, from college? Yeah, I came home for literally a couple weeks before this trip was lined up. But um, how did you line Like, who lines up the trip to Israel? Like, who's so the, the, the perks of being Jewish here, let me tell you. Uh, I had already gone to Birthright, which is like the free one that everybody gets. Uh, if you're Jewish or now, you could be like 4% Jewish and they'll, they'll send you. But this was a program you had to go every Wednesday to this thing in Albany where you just hang out with Jews, get really good free food, and listen to some like ridiculous lecture for an hour. And you would get a 17-day trip to Israel for free. So I was all about it. My brother did it too because my brother was in Albany at that point. And um, so, yeah, I went there. We wound up going out to this bar a bunch of times. I wound up speaking to the owner about because um, I was like, I kind of want to stay here. I don't really know what I want to do in life yet. You know, he's like, I'll give you a job as security as a bouncer. And I'm like, I was, you know, pretty big back then and knew how to handle my own. So I, I like debated it. And then I met an Israeli girl who was the security How hot guard. was she? Amazing. She was a security guard on one of our day trips. You got to remember, these girls, they were probably in the army, right? They, yeah, don't they have to be in the gun. army? Yeah, yeah she, she had a gun. Yeah, and I asked her out. I was like, whatever. And uh, we went out, and I'm like, wow. How hot on a one to ten? 
Nine. Nine. Yeah. Good. Pretty good hot. Yeah. It's pretty good hot right yeah. there. Yeah, it's good. Okay. So so you tell us, say, yeah, I'm going to stay, you know, stay here. You meet this girl. Then tell me, you know, how did that all play out? It played out where I was there. I was working. I had a great time. But in reality, I knew that I needed to go home to, to move on my life and figure out what I wanted to do. I didn't want to leave the girl. She literally waited for me for a couple of years when I left, too. Um, and... The money is so different there. Like, say you bounce at a bar here for the night, you get 200. There you do like three times the work. You're dealing with every single person there has been in the military, you know? So like if sh shit goes down, like you have to act. I was the only bouncer without a gun. It was just, it was insane. Um, and the money just sucked. And where I was staying, I was supposed to be like studying Judaism and I never did that one time, literally not once. Yeah, and, uh, okay, I can see why. Yeah. You got this hot girl. <laughs> Bouncing at a bar. Yeah, so my living arrangements, I was like, I didn't want to live where I was living. It was me and, like, a bunch of super Jews, which I'm not into. Like, you know, I'm culturally proud, but the whole, like, above and beyond thing, not my thing. And uh, so I came home. How did you break it off with her? How did you, was that hard to do? I have a hard time breaking up with girls. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, especially now you're like, hey, listen, it's not even that you're breaking up. You're like, I may never see you again, ever, ever, you know, and I'm out of here. How did you wind up doing that? I mean, I told her, you know, she knew the situation and I was going to try to figure out a way to stay. Like I had a way to get a visa, um, but I just didn't like the setup that I had going there. Like it would have really been winging it and trying to really figure it out. I'm like, I just went to school. Like, let me go back and figure out what I need to do. And, you know, looking back now, I kind of wish I had stayed. Um, you know, I, I like... Why? Remember, it's just very... When you, when well, if I knew how the country was going to be now here, I would have just stayed there for, uh, you know, for forever. It's just different there. And, you know, everybody, it's a Middle Eastern country, right? Like, and from, aside from what you hear in the news, like all the, whatever you hear about, like, it's very peaceful. Everybody gets along. Um, I was in Jerusalem, you know, like Muslims, Catholics, Christians, Jews all live. It's all, it's all good. People are very real and straightforward there. You How know? beautiful was the city of Jer Jerusalem? I've, you know, I've never been to Israel. There, there, yeah, there's like a, I forget what the saying is, but you get a different feeling when you're in that. It's just like the overwhelming feeling of history and what went on there. And, uh, you know, I would go to like Tel Aviv, which is like Miami. Talk about girls. Tell it. I've never seen anything like it still, and I've been a lot of places. Like, the best? It's the hummus, they say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all right. So you decide that you got to come home. You have this conversation with this girl, and now you're back here in New York. Well, how is that? Is that a big culture shock for you? Being there, no parents, doing whatever you want, talking about Tel Aviv, right? Now you're back to the clubs here in Huntington. You're back on 110. You're doing whatever. I mean, did it hit you and say, you know, what did I do wrong, or did you just get right here and get right back on the horse and away you went? No, I got right back on the horse. You know, I was like, all right, it's time to figure out what I'm going to do. And I, I think I worked like a couple odd-end jobs and I was just, you know, doing the whole applying thing, which is like a job in itself. And that was 2012. So you know how the economy was then, you know? So I'd always been really good with people, uh, with sales type things, like my whole family's in sales and finance and stuff like that. So I wound up applied for this job at, at a car dealership, a really like reputable one in Huntington, um, Honda, and one of the busiest Hondas in the country. And they had, for a car dealership, it was like, 
They had 60 people come and interview. Then they had a class of 15, and only a few of us. So everybody's it. trying to get a job at this Honda yeah, dealership. Yeah, because it's great income potential. You so. know, it's crazy that you say that, right, about going around. And I, I remember when I was, I graduated college, and I'm like, well, okay, now what am I going to do here? I got this degree, but what do I do with it? Right, and my degree at that time was in radio broadcasting. It's like, okay, and I got a kid on the way, I'm yeah. landscaping, making $100 a day. But I remember going around to car dealerships. You know, it wasn't my first choice, like to be at a, you know, selling used no, cars, no. but I didn't, or new cars, whatever you want to say. But sometimes you get to that point that you're like, I just need a job. You know, is it a car, you know, am I gonna work at the car dealership or am I gonna work at, say, Stop and Shop? What am I doing, right? You know, where's, the, like you said, where's the most income? I would assume that the car dealership wasn't your first choice. No, right? No, not at all. Well, I just wanted to get my foot into sales and, and that experience. You okay. Know? Um, so tell me about that. You get you get in, all these people are applying, and I, I would assume then obviously you get the job. Yes, yes. I got the job. Um, they hired three of us that were all similar to my age at that point, like early 20s, I think, because they look at it like, these people have no experience. We can train them the way that we want. They don't have any bad habits or anything in the business. And I learned the business and did really, really well. Um, I started to hate it because of what the business is and well, still well, is. Well, well let's, let, let, let's talk about that. So you're selling cars and you're doing well. You're making money, right? So what kind of money are we talking about? Now, this is 2012, 2013, right? When you start maybe picking up. What are you talking about good money? What is, what is good money to you? I mean, for me back then, I was 22, you know? I had months where I would make 10, 12 grand. That's that's great money. For that age too, you know? That's, first of all, that's for just great anybody, money. Yeah. yeah, it's great money for anyone, but for that age, now, you know, now now we're talking, right? That's a lot of money in, in, in your bank. Know. You it know? was crazy. Yeah, so you, you start doing that, I, I would assume that you'd be excited. You're going out a lot now too? Yeah, with like bottle service, thinking I'm like the boss. Where were you going here city, on Long Island? City, city yeah. Manhattan? Oh, always. Always, where, where, like give me some of the places that you'd go to. Oh, uh, they're not even really open now. Like Web, uh, Pasha, I think Webster Hall reopened. We were really into like, the house music scene. Yeah, yeah. like a lot of Molly, Ecstasy, bottle service, the, the whole nine. And you and you're here. You are. You got maybe twenty grand in the account. Yeah, you, literally. How much money would you bring out with you? Would you take this train out there? Or would you yeah, drive? Yeah, trade, trade. You take the yeah. the Long Island Railroad out there, and you you got what like maybe a thousand dollars cash in your That's pocket. That's what we would spend. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because we didn't care. We were young, and like that was before I moved out. You know, I had moved out shortly after I started making a lot of money, and. Like we knew we were just gonna make that again, and we were having fun. Molly's, you were saying, right? That was crazy. Molly's was big right around that time yeah, right too. Right around then. Right around then, because it was ecstasy, and then all of a sudden Switch. there was some transformation from ecstasy to Molly's, right? And it was like the more whole, pure and yeah, like more pure. less hangover. Yeah, yeah. So, take me back now to the car dealership. You're making this money. You're doing everything. You're probably buying new suits or new outfits as well, right? You probably got a Rolex or whatever it is. So people come in, know that hey, I'm selling cars here. You're, I'm the guy that you want. Yeah. But then you said that it took a turn. What I mean, what happened? So I also got to a point where I think I realized these like material things weren't as important to me as I thought that they were. Um, material things in what? Like, give me an example of what you mean by that. A fancy car? Yeah, fancy car, uh, doing flashy things, certain, you know, um, jewelry, like uh, going out and spending, you know, unnecessary mon money at the club and stuff like that. How much money will you be spending at, like, a night at, at Posh? 
Give me like an Between a few of us, it was like two, three grand, you know? But how much would you personally spend like that night? 800, 1,000. Like, that's absurd. It's absurd. a waste of money, a complete waste. Of, but I was young and I didn't care. And then I got to this point where it's like a perfect storm for how my story really unfolds because I got to that point where I was questioning things. And then I had an injury in the gym. Like, I hurt my back really bad. And there was this kid at, because. You know, like the rep with car dealerships, the people that work there, you know, crazy. And there was this kid, he was always like this at his desk, like nodding, nodding off. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, let me talk to this kid. Maybe he can help me with this this back issue. So I, before you get into that, I just want to set the scene here because, <laughs> I, you know, it's such a typical Long Island type story that you're doing. You're getting up in the morning, right? You go, you're making money. You got m newfound money. You're 22 years old. What do you do? You come home and go right then, right to the gym. You do two days maybe or yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, gym. Big, gym yeah. is crazy, yeah. right? Because that's the whole thing. You yeah. got to look good. Yeah. You got to keep the body fit, right? Were you juicing at the time at all? Would no, you dabble in that no, at all? No. Never. And what were you doing? That what was the injury? Like what rep or what exercise were you doing? I was. That? Uh, I forget what the name is, but for your lower back when you're pulling up the like deadlifts or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something similar yeah. to that. And I did too much weight and I felt like a pop basically. It was almost like I just threw off a nerve. I could barely walk for three days. I could I couldn't work for two days. And I was like, I need to fix this because I need to keep making money. It was like towards the end of the month, so it was bonuses and stuff like that. And I spoke to this kid. I had already known about opiates um, because I had a couple friends from high school who, who were hooked on them already and but I was around them I was never really interested it wasn't my thing I think I tried it a couple times because I always you know did recreational drugs and what was your drug of choice at that time at like when you go out that time coke mo molly I mean the party <laughs> stuff yeah 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 you know? I, I, the stuff I you can do with other people yes. you know what I mean yes um, and drinking obviously and I smoked a lot of weed but I remember taking that first pill. So I, you so you went you approached the kid and you said, yeah. "Hey, listen, I injured my back, right? Go ahead, explain it was that." Was a gold mine for him because he's like, "This kid has money. I can make you know make free drugs off him. Like, let me you know, I'm not gonna give him the, the dealer's number." And he got me one. It helped me for like a couple days because they were very strong, the 30 milligrams. And what was it, Vicodin or what was it, Oxycol? Percocet 30. Perc yeah, like the big, the blues they, they used to be called. That's what really started the whole thing along Long Island. These blues, you could like uh, crush them up and sniff them. That's like the best way to do it. I did that right away just because of my experience in recreational drugs. Yeah, I'll get this did, in me yeah, quick. Did like a quarter at a time. I can wait 10 minutes, 20 minutes and see what's no. happening or I can get it and no I can wait. come out of this bathroom and <laughs> I'm ready to rock and roll and my back's better. Literally. Yeah. And and uh, I remember that feeling that I got after that uh, when I really did enough. And I I knew that I was screwed. I, I just knew. I don't know what went off, but... I, You're talking about the first day that you did it? The or? first day that I did it and I felt that, that feeling, that opiate feeling of just uh, like floating on a cloud kind of. Your whole body goes warm. I knew I was in trouble from there on. And it's funny how you explain that because you explained it actually perfect. You know, for people that actually, yeah. you know, whether they had an injury or they're doing it recreational, that warm feeling that you're floating and everything is, everything's like this, right? Every, hey, well, okay, so, yeah, you want to get lunch? We'll get lunch. We'll do that. Literally. Everybody, everything. You don't want to buy a car? No problem. No you, big deal. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I'm doing different things. I feel great anyway. So. Yes. Yeah. You might even tell them, this car's not probably for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, this, I wouldn't really buy this one today because that's how you feel. 
feeling, right? Yeah, I actually did a lot better on them because I was less less pressure to people, you know, and they they really liked that. I mean, I always built good rapport with people, but like, I didn't care. I had no no pressure. Like, I felt good regardless. I, I didn't feel any any pressure. But it went. I got a couple the first week, and then the second week, I think I did it three days. In the third week, well, I where are you getting them from? Are you are you? He was kid, getting get them the- from somebody in Central Islip, um, because back then there, the prescriptions were flooded everywhere. Still. Well, what I'm saying is, is so you take this one right, and you're feeling great. Yeah, you had to come back to him and have a conversation with him and explain to him, hey, listen, where can I get more, or do you have more? Right? Explain like how did that work out? He was a middleman basically, so he I would give him the money. He would go on his break or just leave and. But I'm go saying get there it. was when when you first did it, and you yeah. knew that you wanted more. Tell me about that conversation that you had. Well, I was embarrassed in a way, and I didn't want, want to say, oh, I really like that. I said, I'm still in pain. Like, can you can you keep helping me out? And the lie, the first lie. The first of many. The first of <laughs> many, right? Right there. That's the first lie right there. Yeah. The first of my, I, I'm still in pain. Can you get me some more? So he sets up this whole thing, right, with with, with you. Mm-hmm. And then we did that for like a couple of weeks, and I forget how, but I wound up uh, getting, oh, because he used my phone because his died to call the, the dealer. And he didn't delete the the call the number. Not for you. Gold. Gold. But you bad, cancel him time. right out. Yeah, oh, I yeah. don't need you now. You're not. A, I don't have you in my business anymore either, right? And then here we go. So so what? How was that? That you know when you first reached out to the dealer, what were you buying like at the time? Like how many? What was? How much money were you spending? So at that point, it they were thirty dollars at that point, um, which they used to be back before I started, like ten. Then they just rose 15, 20, 30. Um, so I was good with one a day. Um, I think I had a physical dependence at that point. And then you build one a day, which is 30 milligrams for any regular person still that would. So you were doing that. So how long were you taking one a day for? So one a day lasted, I would say, only about like a month, a month and a half. And then I went to, I pick up three at a time. And that would be good for two days. So I would do one and a half. And then it got to a point. So I was going. I was either like sneaking out of work and driving to CI from Huntington real quick and meeting up with this guy, or I would go before because we worked some 12 to nines, or I would, I wouldn't be able to not have it and go after like an early day where I was till five or six because I would start feeling sick and like start like craving and fiending. Even if just doing one and a half a day or one a day. It's a lot of milligrams, you know, like 30, 45 milligrams. How many, like, so what would that be like in a regular like lower dose, how many pills would that be then? You're talking like, say some somebody go, you know, gets their wisdom teeth taken out or has a minor thing, they'll give them like five milligrams, 10 milligrams, one every like six hours. So you're talking about instant, like sniffing 30 milligrams, 45. So, so you're almost doing five lot. of them in one shot. Yeah. So then, okay, so that makes sense then when, when you explain it that way. Then, but was there a time now, so that now you're starting to feel, you said a physical dependence towards it, right? Was there ever a time that you said, you know, you know, driving in your car or maybe pull over for a second or maybe you're at work or getting ready to go to work and you say, well, you better slow down here. Wait a second, something's up. Or was it just, you were rolling? Was Not you, yet. Did, did you have back pain still? <laughs> Not with that, no. Yeah. But I'm saying like, if you stopped with the back, was the back pain no, gone? No, it, it went away, it was gone for a while. It only okay. lasted like a week. Whenever I usually hurt myself in the gym, it's like a week and then I'm good. But I was like, needed to move around, you know, at work, so I needed something. But for, to answer your question, I knew, see, the thing is, I always had money and I always had them, so I was never sick yet. I knew that I needed them, but I never experienced the withdrawals yet. And then 
So this was started in March 2013, right? I had all this money, remember? So I had planned a Vegas trip with one of my buddies that I started with who was doing really well in June. I knew I needed to bring pills to Vegas because I knew I needed them. You'd be a grouch. Yeah, but I, I was scared on the airplane, you know, because I hadn't really been acclimated to the criminal lifestyle just yet. Yeah, know? no, I understand. And, uh, and I got to tell you, man, I, I know what you're saying. The one thing that I never mess with anything is taking something on a plane, yeah. right? Because that is the worst. It could ruin your trip. You get caught. You do whatever. You don't, nothing, nothing is goes in my backpack, whether it's weed or whatever. It's, I, I that scares me the most. So I know what you're saying about that. But here you are. Now you have to find a way. Yeah, and I knew people, you know, you just take the deodorant, you take the, like, the stick out underneath, you put a little, uh, like, tissue, and then you put them underneath the, uh, okay. and they can't even see them. It's like a whole thing. So you had the whole thing planned Yeah, out. but I was still scared, though. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, if I bring it. So I, I think I brought, like, I brought that and Adderall so I could stay awake and stay out long. Um, and two, we had... We had never been to Vegas when we were young, so we made the mistake of booking five nights in Vegas the first time, which is the biggest mistake that I had ever made booking a trip. Um, two days in, we had partied so much, bottle service, like twice a day, day and night. Like, I did all the painkillers, all the Adderall. I, like, blackout got coke from somebody at 4 a.m., which definitely wasn't coke. It was baby powder for sure. Oh, that sucks. But I was, right? You get that, you know, and, you th and you're, you're hoping that's this and that. Now, you know, when you say that you're in bottle service and you've got, you're you two days in, how much money do you think you're spending at that time? Two, two days in, I already spent 2500 oh, Two days. Okay. With so. gambling, bottle service. And then the second night, I won like 800 on blackjack. So I felt better about myself. But I took a cash advance on my credit card because I didn't want to keep taking actual money like from my debit and, and checkings account. And then I woke up the third day where I did my last pill the previous night, like not even night, maybe like five, six o'clock. I had never gone through withdrawal, so I didn't know what they were like yet. I had never felt like that in my life uh, with the way I felt, and I couldn't figure out why. And I- Well, explain, describe the feeling. So it's almost like, okay, it's like, I just had COVID and it's 10 times worse than like a flu COVID type thing because you know what the issue is, is you you feel like you're crawling out of your skin and, and you go, you can't get comfortable and you go from hot to cold, like, and it's just shivers and, th and then you're hot and then like your stomach is all messed up and you have to throw up and shit and just everything. And uh, the worst part was when I figured out, like, you know that there's an instant fix to that. Like when you're regular sick, you kind of just have to go through it, right? And um, let it go, you know, let it run its course. course. Yeah, your immune system. But your body has become so accustomed to the opiate, to the drug, whatever you're on, that it, your brain and your body looks at it like it's water in a way. You know, you need it to function and survive. So when you take it away and, and the withdrawal symptoms start. So I was so sick for two days. I couldn't do anything. My friend literally went out by himself, like met people, and that's what I knew. I'm like, okay, like there's something uh, potentially wrong here. But but didn't you, you know, you're in Vegas there. Didn't you say to yourself, hey, you know, I'm in Vegas. I probably could get this, right? I could probably get something. Yeah, it wasn't in at, Vegas. That, at that point. Yeah, I don't think. Were you able to? Like, what I didn't even. Because I, 
I think I was trying to rationalize in my head that I didn't have a problem yet, and I was just regular sick, you know, even though I knew. So you don't want to admit it to yourself yeah, yet. Yeah, was, I wasn't even close. Years away from admitting, you know. Um, then I went home. But wait, so you got three days of sickness? Yeah, it was it was really bad. The third day, I actually started feeling better. It was a short one because I was only doing it for a few months. Um, and then... So I, you're on the plane and you're like, okay. I'm calling, I'm, well, on the airport before I get in the plane, I'm calling the guy. I said, you need to be ready. I will pay. I will buy. I need to buy 10, 300. I don't even care. You know, like, yeah. I'm not trying to feel like this. And when I, I got back, drove straight to CI and uh, copped from him and did one and I'm like holy shit I feel so much better I'm like I'm like I'm done this is it like I'm addicted you know I didn't think I was an addict yet but I knew I was addicted um so from that point on you know I had an apartment I had oh so you're not living with your parents no anymore. like this was so all now you have hiding a new, so now you have a new expense with the yeah my bills were up there even though I was making a lot of money I had for a 23 year old kid my bills were like 2500 three grand a month what were you driving at the time um, I had Infinity Q50. Oh, so like what, your payment was like yeah. maybe 400, yeah, 400 right? Yeah, yeah. 400 bucks. Yeah. You got the apartment. You have insurance. Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Expensive in its own. Uh, it's interesting that you brought that up now. So here's your girlfriend, right? You have a girlfriend at the time. Are you hiding this from her? She has no idea that you're no, not No, because not as long as I had them and I was feeling normal, because it gets to a point where they, you know, you feel good, but it keeps you normal. You know, it's not to a point where it's like, um, I look super high. I just look normal. She met me when I was on them, so she didn't know the difference. She just thinks that you're the best guy in the world, the nicest, the happiest guy. <laughs> always. Always yeah. happy. No worries. No big deal. You're making money. You're on your way, right? It's unbelievable that, you know, that you're able to hide that kind of stuff. So you come home, you buy the $300 worth, right? So that's a bigger purchase that you ever made. So go ahead, continue. What happens from there? Um, I thought I was going to make them last. I did it all in like two days and then... Wait, how many pills is that? Ten. So like now you're... 150 milligrams a day for two days. So now you're on the five pills, which you said before were like almost one pill is five pills. So almost you're doing 30 pills yeah. of regular low dose, mm -hmm. you know, Percocets. Yep. So basically it spiraled to the point where my um, money ran out for what I needed for, for bills and um, I had to move out of that apartment. But how is your money running out so fast? I mean, you, so you're spending $300, right, a day. On a day, is it? You're doing now? Say almost? like 200 a day. So now you're up to 200 a day. Yeah. Let's just try to get into, you know, uh, perspective of what you would do. So you come back from Vegas. How much money would you have in the bank? I mean, did you have like maybe 20 grand in the bank, 30 grand? I think at that point, because I was... I had bills. I took. I, I bought a bunch of stuff for the apartment. I think I had like fifteen grand in the bank. So yeah, around fifteen grand in the bank. You're making around ten grand at the place. Yeah, but I th also it was there was a couple of really slow months where I made like five, six grand. Okay. So it was so it very, averages out lower. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you add two hundred a day to an expensive lifestyle to twenty five hundred in bills. Soon, like you go from up here. And they kind of with bills, whatever they just. Switch. Well, you almost had twenty eight hundred dollars a month on just pills. Yeah, yeah. you almost on twenty eight hundred dollars. Yeah, so there. I had like really nothing. Yeah. on the side, and the original plan was like, oh, I told my mom I need to save money. This is too expensive. Like I'm young, I'm gonna move home, and then I moved home, and 
she didn't know nobody knew and then it got to the point where i ran out of money i think or i needed to borrow money Something, which makes no sense <clears throat> no sense at all right you went from this guy's making all this money buying all this stuff to all of a sudden you're telling your girlfriend which is probably embarrassing too right i'm, I'm gonna move back to my mother's because she probably was staying over your place yeah she lot. broke up with me before that anyway oh so she, she must have knew something yeah um and you probably didn't even give a shit no, because here you are what do what, i care once you're on these drugs you like don't have this, any sexual desire for me at least on opiates so i didn't care to be honest anyway um, really? Yeah. That's how it. That's so. You was that much that deep into yeah. it that you didn't even want to bang anymore. No, not at all. Um, I went in like a five year period, no, no sex. Really? Five years. Yeah. We're jerking off at all? Anything? Nothing? It was some dry stretches, and you don't even care. It's no, not, it's not even. Because the pills feel way better, you know. Really? Yeah. Okay, so 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 now you're back at your parents. Now, anything happening with the performance at your job? Yeah. Um. At the at the point where I would run out of money, it was harder for me to get them and I had to wait paycheck like slowly, but you know, I found certain ways to still feel okay, like with like maintenance drugs, they give people who are trying to get off the stuff, like Suboxone it's called, I would take that if I didn't have something, like I found a way. But then, um, you, you know, you're talking like two, two and a half year, years later, 2015 to 2016. Um, you're taking pills. Still taking pills. From 2013, basically to 2015 2016 so yeah so now we're there you know stop right there for a second because i remember you said something too about the ins of the business like you said i started learning how basically i don't know if you meant corrupt or how shady the business is what did you mean by that real quick like with the car dealership like what's so there's just a lot that goes on you know like forcing people into a car they don't want people with bad credit um picking up money on the deal that is not even going towards anything it's just like fake profit like you know somebody say you go and you, you say i'm gonna i want to put two thousand down on the lease right like that includes your first month in the dmv like always but we used to tell people okay it's two thousand plus your first month plus the dmv so that would be like fake invisible money profit where they had to put somewhere because it otherwise it'd be illegal to collect that and they would sell them like these tire wheel protections for like $4 a month and just pack on that extra money that we got, the salespeople on the front end. Little things like that, you know, where I, I didn't feel right doing it. Um, so I started to like really question that. And then I got the pills and it was like, oh, I don't really, I can, I don't feel any emotions, you know? So I didn't care. And I just kept selling, still doing well. And then, like I said, we got to like the 2015, 2016 point where I think it was early 2016, I had the friends that I had who were uh, addicted to opiates, like pills, when when I first started before that, they had switched to heroin. And I was like, I never, never would do that. And um, I had no money. And my friend, I was speaking to him, he's like, why don't you just try dope, like try heroin? And I, I always like looked down on that because I still didn't really think I was a, a drug addict, you know? Wait, so you're saying three years in? Yeah. On these pills, how much are you spending now a week? You think up to in 2016 on pills? Whatever I had, it, there was no. I just there was no like, oh, I could do this because I have money. I could do this many. It was whatever I had, and I had to make it last, and I had to go to work. Oh, so that was it. Now, now it was I'm I'm working for the pills. Working just for that. Yeah, and whatever's in my mom's home. refrigerator is what I'm gonna eat. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. that's and that's about it. Yeah. No girlfriend. No new girlfriend. No anything. I mean, was your performance at work starting to slack? Yes, not uh, 
too much, but definitely a difference, like a drop-off. Um, and they would catch me sometimes when I wasn't there for a little bit, and I would always make up an excuse, like, oh, I'm with a customer test driving when I'm not with a customer or anything, you know? And what about that guy that you originally got he, it from? Was he gone by then? Gone, like he, like a month after I even originally met him. Yeah, it was I, the reason why I asked, I was, I was going to see if maybe he could recognize the difference in you and what maybe something else, but he's gone, so whatever. But, so here we are, so 2016, okay, continue with your story. So in a matter, I was with my friend and I, and I tried it because- Heroin. Yes, because I had no money and I think, no, I think I had $30 and I needed to make me last like two days. And he's like, for $30, you can get four bags. And I think I did like a, a quarter or a half of one bag, way higher and lasted longer. And I'm like, okay, this is gold. And I didn't want to admit it, but I was like, I'm going to do this from now on, you know? So see you later with the pills. Here comes heroin. But what, what, what's the difference of the high with that, though? I mean, can you function on heroin as you could function on the pills? Because you seem like you were still being able to hide it from everyone, right? Nobody Was anybody questioning for the you know those three years? Did anyone say to you, hey, Andrew, man, you look like you're a little off? Yes, but I was a really good like manipulator and bullshit, you know, which comes with the territory. I think right before I made the switch, I, uh, I told my mom, uh, told my dad, and they had suggested, I think I joined like an outpatient, um, but I wasn't really all in of like, I, I need to change my life or I have a serious problem. It was like, all right, I made a lot of money. I, I really like these things. And then when I made the switch to, to heroin, it was like the whole world collapsed around me in a matter of three months, the whole world. Um, and I was able to hold that job for three years, still do well, like still get by. And then in three months, I wound up getting fired. My car got repoed. Um, just everything that could have happened happened in three months of doing that. How was that? Give us that day. You go into that, you know, you go into the dealership the day you got fired. Explain that from start to finish, how that day progressed and how they, you know, brought you in. So like a month or two. So a month or two before the heroin use my performance started to suck. So then a month or two into it, that's like four months. Um, and it's very noticeable with, with heroin. You know, it, it's, you'd be way higher and I would be sick much more often because I didn't have a dealer yet, you know? Or my dealer was out east and like I couldn't finagle it where I could leave. And uh, they knew, they knew too I had a problem at that point. I mean, it was just, it seemed like everybody knew and uh, they sat me down. So originally what they did, they're like, we're gonna give you a few days off to get better. Like a few days off is gonna help a drug addict get better and change. <laughs> so I took the days off and I just, I tried for like a day and I was like, no. And uh, came back and was still really bad and then wound up. Uh, give me an example though. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to picture this whole thing in the car dealership, yeah. right? From the 2013 Andrew, who's hustling and bustling around the dealership Look place. Look good in the gym, like yeah. I stopped doing all that too. Well, yeah, well, that was another thing. Are you working out anymore? No. So you're not even working out? No. Did you lose a lot of weight? Yeah, I just look like shit. So you, you look know? like shit. So I'm trying to think of though now the, the way you're acting as in comparison to 2013 into now here we are 2016 and you're on dope. Like what's the difference of, are you just sitting in your desk nodding off? That um, I'm very, I'm way more isolated towards the people I was close with there. Um, I w was just, 
It's like you're a ghost of who you were. It, it takes everything. You're no so, going out to lunch. No, I didn't have money for that. Unless the, the managers were buying, like, that was the only way. Yeah, and yeah, And half yeah. time I wasn't hungry because I was sick half the time and had to fight through it the day. And I just completely changed the person. Nobody, I could tell people didn't really, they didn't want to be around. Everybody knew. And it was really before I had, like, the knowledge of, of addiction that I have now. And I just didn't know how to handle it or what to do. And uh, they brought me, like, in the back room. Just was like, we got to let you go. They didn't really get into details, but I knew the reason, you know? Um, so then I went on unemployment for the first time in my life, and I, I went back to my mom's because uh, I was in my mom's at that point. But wait, hold on a second, though. You, you get fired, right? And, and the reason why I'm stopping you here is because, you know, certain things happen in our lives that, you know, you, that you have to sip and, and maybe digest it. I would think that if I got fired, forget about being on drugs, if I got fired from a place... I'd get fired, I'd come out, I'd sit in my car for a second and think, what the hell is happening? Did those moments happen with you or was it just, okay, I'm, I got fired, I gotta find out how I'm gonna now make money because I gotta go get, I'm getting, I, I'm not feeling well right now, yeah. I have to get more pills. So there was, was there any time out that you sat there and said, wait a second, hold on, Andrew, what's going on, man? You just got fired from your job, you were making, the, you were crushing it, but now you're not, they just fired you. No. Nothing. No, because you don't have emotions, you know? They're all blocked. And even when you're not on it, you're, you're, your whole brain chemistry changes and your whole whole system is off. And the drugs are, are the most important thing to you. You will do whatever it takes. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it, the, I'm glad you, you're explaining that to me because a lot of times people don't understand who's not doing the drugs, like maybe your parents, right? Yeah. And they try to reason with a drug addict, <laughs> right? That's on drugs. And they think that they could communicate and get through to them. But what you're basically saying is, is doesn't matter who's talking to me. It doesn't matter what's going on. I have one, one thing that I need and one thing only, and that is I need more drugs. It's crazy, right? Yeah. It's scary too. It's, it's it's unfortunate what it does, and I, I used to tell my mom as an excuse, you know, you're not talking to the Andrew that you knew, like, that you raised, you know, I, I've turned into a completely different, terrible ghost of, of my former self, and uh, so I never had those reflections, but I did realize, okay, I still have bills, it's still my, well, no, they repo my car, I have, my credit cards were all maxed out, done, everything, I used every last resource at that point. What, what happened when you got, would you wake up and your car was gone, or did you see it happening when you were at the house? Oh, messed up to be honest I uh they helped me out at the dealership to get me this car I had like a 490 credit score at this point because of the credit cards and the finance director got me the best approval rate and helped me out and it got repoed three months later I always felt bad for that but uh I knew they were gonna repo it and I had I had to call a family member to help and like I gave him all the information he's like all right I made two payments and then that's embarrassing it's so it's so fucking embarrassing uh, no. so I was like, all right. I'm Are you embarrassed now when you think about it? Because the the reaction you make when you talk about it, when I see, it's almost as if it, it pains for you to when when you bring yourself back there and having to bring you back to that phone call, or is it no big deal? No, because I believe every point happens for a reason, and you learn certain things along okay. the way. Um, I agree with that. You know, and he actually, I guess, gave the wrong digit to the person on the phone. I don't know what happened, and then I, the next morning, I look, and my car is not there. Oof. <laughs> And I called him like freaking out like it was his problem when he was helping me out, you know? Uh, that's what you do. Always. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So I was at op options. No job, you know, at my mom's. Um, my now, now you can't get to the drug dealer. No, it was bad. Um, I would take her car if she, she just didn't care at that point. But uh, 
So I was like, what am I going to do? You know, so I wound up 2016. I wound up, I had a friend in San Diego. He's like, you can come here and not do drugs and, and like restart your life. And me, you know, thinking before I had any like knowledge of NA, like a program, like how you really get clean and stay clean. It's like, oh, let me just move across the country. That will just solve my whole problem. And I went to San Diego in 2016. I stopped all opiates. I was pretty sick for a couple of days at home first and on the plane. And then like for a week or two, I couldn't sleep there, but I got past it. Cause I had, I had no choice. Like, I couldn't get it out there. So did you in San Diego in 2016? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I was there for like six months, but I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I didn't get a, a job. I got a miserable job that I hated. And it was actually like cold calling lawyers offices and um, doctors offices because we did marketing for them. The but, company did but, well. But what about your sickness? What is going on? You I had to power through it. Like I had no other choice. You know, it got better each day. I think the the weather and the area helped. So a you were bit. able to you were able to just jump out of New York, go to San Diego, deal with the sickness that you had at that point. And you're not doing any drugs in San Diego? So I went like three days without it. So the three days are the worst, the first three days. And then I couldn't take it anymore and I wound up getting something just to ease the pain. And then I went on the plane and it was brutal. But no, I mean, I was going out and I was doing like blow and stuff. So I wasn't really trying to change my life yet. Um, and then I was there for like six months. It's an amazing place. Like I wish I was there in the state of mind that I am today, you know, but... Um, I spent my money that I had there that I was getting from unemployment that I was making at the job. I didn't find a place. I thought I would never do opiates again. I felt so confident, even though I wasn't connected to any sort of recovery program. And um, I came back 2016. I was like, all right, fresh start back on Long Island. Like I was at my mom's, whatever, but I felt good, you know, because I was keeping like the partying in check to a rec recreational thing. And then I wound up meeting an old friend on July 4th. We went to the city and- he, What year is this, 2017? 2016, late, 16. Two, late 2016. And I knew he was involved in the drug scene for a while, but he was always a liar like myself, manipulative at that point. We're on the train and he just pulls out a wad of cash, like probably like five, 10 grand. And I'm like, I'm like, you selling drugs? Like you're, you're not smart enough, because he was an idiot. He's like, I'm like, you're not smart enough to have a job where you're getting this money, I'm sorry. And then he said, yeah, and then we went to a strip club in the city and came back and I was so drunk and I was like, I know you have some, some dope, like, let me get some. And he's like, no. And I'm like, no, seriously, let me get some. And then it happened again, I relapsed from that and, and started um, again in 2016 to 2020 where- You jumped four years. No, I'm not gonna, I'm just saying those were the worst years of the whole thing. Of yeah. 2016 to 2020 yeah. and you're back on dope. Yes. Or doing anything that you possibly can. Um, I would do any drug at that point, but I was still back on dope and this is when I had to start. How are you, how are you paying for it though? What are you doing here? I always had, uh, my mom helped me out and I went up, I think, well, you, gave me a look, you gave me a look that you're doing something, <laughs> you're doing something there. That was the look like, ah, you know, but I don't know. So I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're doing something. Are you stealing? Are you doing something? To, you gotta be doing, when you're doing drugs like this, you know, I'm a criminal attorney, right? <laughs> and I used to be a prosecutor. So I see the drugs, the drug addicts. I yeah, see what yeah. they're doing. You know, they usually, when they don't have a job, they're stealing, they're doing something. They're going into stop and shop, stealing meat, yeah, yeah. and then selling the meat. I never got into, I was never like that. Okay. Um, I always was, 
I wound up meeting a lot of dealers over time. Um, when I got my own dealers, like out in Quorum, areas like that, um, all the bad areas on the island. And um, I always had access to a car, which most addicts don't. So I would either drive people or I would middleman. I would make so I would always find a way every single time. There was never, I would borrow money. Um, you owe this person, then you owe that person. Yeah, it was a whole thing. But I would never, never go in stores and steal or anything like, or steal from people I didn't know. Like, I just, I, I still had a conscience like that. Like, I'm not going to, you know. You know, maybe like a, a major store that's not going to be affected by the money, you know, a couple times, but very rare desperation, you know, yeah. or just rob drug dealers, whatever I wanted to do. Um, just like give them $3 instead of 300 because they would do the quick one, two car piss each other on the street, you know, and they couldn't count the money. Um, so then I had to go to rehab for the first time. Um, how did you, what made you want to go? How did that happen? I knew pretty quickly my life was out of control. I mean, all the things I, I've talked about. What um, year is this, this rehab? First one was 2016, 2017, late 20, like Christmas time, maybe 2016. Um, so I met somebody in there. I felt great in there. Was Where like, did you go? Uh, this place, Seafield in West Hampton. Mm -hmm. Probably the best one you could go to um, with like state insurance. And uh, met this kid. I don't agree with the rehab system. I think it's terrible. Um, you meet more bad people than good people in there, um, especially if your mindset is not you're not ready to completely stop. And I met somebody and I was like, oh, I got this dealer. He's got the best stuff like at that point. And uh, he, I gave him my number. I didn't, no, yeah, I gave him my number. I didn't get his because I thought maybe I would stop. And uh, he had reached out to me like, I was like two weeks out of rehab. I think I had like 30 days clean. And he was a shooter, he was shooting it up. You know, I had never got to that point with anything yet. And I would see it, he would do way less than I was doing, you know, sniffing. And uh, You're not talking about in rehab though. No, no, like on the outside, um, when he got out. <laughs> okay. Because nobody really stays clean. Like 5% of people, I think, maybe even less. So you get out, you go to Seafield. Feel you good. You feel good. They give me like the Suboxone uh, to stay off of it. I wound up like selling those. Um, but you saw that you meet up with this kid he's back on the junk. Yeah, and he was going to keep using. He wasn't going to stop, and he had $100 every day. I was able to make enough off him every every day to be good for the day, every day, and he wouldn't care. And two months into hanging out with him where he was doing shooting it in my car every day, I'm like, I, I need to try this because it's like I feel like I'm going through mine so quick. You know, I, I need to, to save money and figure out how to make this last. And I was so nervous that first time. Um excited at the same because i wanted to feel what everybody what the hype was about you know even though that's the quickest way to die but when you when you recall this story when you now are about to explain about shooting up for the first time can you picture the whole thing exactly where you yeah, were oh, yeah. what you were doing and yep you think about that often that one time right there no because um at this point i know that that's not real life and that that was just a, a facade of feeling good which is not it's not achievable um Listen, if I knew there was no repercussions or anything and I, you told me I could go do that once and that was it ever, like, yeah, why not? But that's not reality of it. What was, so explain the whole thing. You know, do you have to, does he strap your arm up? Yeah, to he get the did. Vein? Like I had all my veins at that point, obviously, because I wasn't, you know, using a needle yet. And uh, he did it. You're in the car? In the car, always in the car. I did so much, so much stuff in my car. Um, and then... I was so scared. I did such a little amount, so I didn't really feel too much. I'm like, I think I could do more. And then 
he did it again. I'm like, oh, you just feel like a, a rush, basically, of like the warmth, and it goes all up into your head, basically. And uh, there's no feeling on earth like that. No sex, like skydive, anything where you think like the highest adrenaline, like the best feeling, there's nothing even close to comparable to that. Nothing. Um, and that's when I knew, I'm like, my life might be over from this point when I made that switch. Um, Think about the progression that you're talking about too, right? You talk about from Percocets, yeah, and then you more Percocets. Yeah. Then you go from Percocets to the the powder of the dope, and you thought that was whatever. Yeah, and now you're at the the top of the top here. That's when I looked in the mirror. I said, "I'm a straight drug addict at this point." You know? Oh, really? Yeah. When you pick up the needle, you, there's no going back from there because okay. you'll never sniff again once you get to the needle. You know, it's not even comparable. So. But now what do you do? So how, first of all, how do you get it from the powder? You, you just cook it? It's the same thing. You just, uh, like you put it in a spoon, put water on it, mix it together, and then you see like all these videos. The cotton is what like filters it for all like the cut and whatever shit that they put in there. So you like pull up the syringe from the cotton and then you uh, get all like the actual drug, you know? Um, pretty easy process. Some people cook it. I never did that. But uh, so... Yeah, I mean, the next couple of years were really just like a blur. I had a lot of stuff with the police, uh, overdoses. Um, well, well, hold on. <laughs> what came first? Well, the, I guess an overdose came first? Yes, first. So so tell me about that night. What happened there? Uh, it was my first overdose of, of many, but... Of many? <laughs> yeah. So what do you... So well, they were switching from like heroin to fentanyl at that point. Fentanyl was being put in everything, so... And were you aware of that? Not really at that point, no, so, you know. Okay, now, is there a difference? Can you tell right away? So let's just say you're doing the heroin. Can you tell that there's, there's fentanyl in it once you do it? Sometimes. Uh, once you have done it, yeah, but then it's usually too late, obviously, but... Uh, Beforehand, they made it pretty hard. Some like if it. it Are you it's saying tough. that as soon as fentanyl's in it, you're definitely gonna OD? If you is have that... no tolerance to it and you do too much, yeah, most likely. Okay. Yeah. What? Uh, so just briefly explain what was going on that day or that night. Where were you? I was super sick for like a day, and uh, I had no money, and I had to like ask my mom. Eventually, she gave it to me, and it was through the kid I met at rehab, the one who shot me up for the first time, and uh, we. I was like, can you get, like, I have money. Like, I need it. I'm really sick. I'm like, but do you have anything right now like that could hold me over till we see this guy? Because they always made us wait. It's the worst. And uh, the dealers make you wait. Always. They don't care. They, they know you're going to wait. Yeah. So you're not going matter. anywhere. Yeah. And your money in the bank. Yeah. It's it's disgusting. Um, So he's like, yeah, as long as you have money, you know, because he thought I was going to, like, just try to get over him and, like, pull some shit where, like, oh, the ATM didn't work. But I had the cash and I went there. And uh, we went in a parking lot. Um, are you still shooting up in your arm, or are you doing totally different places now? Are you at the point that you have to find the vein? Like you know, some people like they yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, to you got hands. Like I stuck around here. I never would like go up like crazy stuff. I always had stuff, you know, because I. So people do it on their feet, which I think is yeah, the most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even, that grosses me out. Yeah, so, um, that grosses you out, but not nothing else. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was so sick. I remember doing it. I like, remember feeling an intense rush and like a little too intense. And then next thing I know, I remember like waking up to like my somebody banging on my windshield. 
and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And look up, it's just like four cops just at, at my uh, at my door, and I had no idea what was going on. And it's like, it was scary to me because I was just gone. There was nothing. There was no light. No, and you know what I mean. It was just, and then I was awake. It was just really weird. And uh, I went to the hospital. My mom had to come get me to take me to my car at that point because I had like brief periods in there where I'd be clean for like a month or whatever and like convince people I was okay and then my mom leased a car under her name for me so I always had a car you know um and you know that happened the cops didn't really ask me any questions because they just put me right to the hospital but then you know I had got pulled over in uh in my town in Huntington and somehow got like grilled into like giving my number to the police uh what, what do you mean? So, 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 are you drive? You just driving? Get pulled I'm, over on routine? Yeah, I'm driving at this point. This was like a couple months later. I, I was, uh, I was always getting those Suboxone strips, so I was able to like go a short period of time without using if I couldn't get it. You know what I mean? And I just take those. That didn't last very long, but you know, I was coming home from like a program. They had pulled me over. I never really had much in- interaction with the police at this point. I was always super lucky with a lot of things, and they said, oh. You're this issue, this issue, like, you know, if you help us out, we'll, uh, we won't give you any tickets. So I was like, all right, sure. Knowing I would not help them out. Well, how would they know that you could help them out to begin with? I mean, they knew I was coming from a drug program, so they knew I was a drug addict who had drug dealers' numbers in his phone, you know? So here are these cops, right? Suffolk County cops, they pull you over. They know that you're doing something. They're like, okay, listen, if you help us out, we'll, we'll, we won't write you up. And that sounds like mm-hmm. oh. yeah, with no money, and I didn't want to lose any like any uh, license or, or or get any tickets. You yeah. Know? So um, I gave him my cell phone number, and um, gave my cell phone number, and then somebody reached out to me like two days later from the uh, some precinct out east because I never dealt with anybody in Huntington, whatever. So it was just out east, general area, and. Uh, I was, was like, oh, they didn't give me tickets. I'm not doing this. I already got out of it. You know, I didn't say that to him, but uh, I was like, no, I don't. I, I'm not a snitch. Like, I'm not. I'm not doing that. No. And then I got to a desperation point where I was like, well, how can I make this work in my favor? I'm like, all right, well, I'll do this because I don't care about these dealers and they're killing people anyway. But I'll somehow get free drugs out of it. So like that was my thinking, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this. So I did it. Um, so, you're not, so at the point here, you're not like... I didn't care I, about anything. I, I, I don't care about not getting in trouble. I just care about this as an opportunity to get even more drugs for free. Yeah, because I was like, they just want the, the sale. They want the sale. That's it. They don't care if I take some. They're not going to know, you know? Yeah. And uh, so the cop, was he was really cool. We actually were, were like had a good relationship. He would help me out. He would literally give me money on the side too. And... Uh, you know, I would like get it. I would get free stuff. And How would you get free stuff? What do you mean by that? Like, I would just tell a dealer. I'm like, listen, 200, but like, you gotta. It's for a friend. You gotta like put 50 on the side and separate it. You know, and then I would just put it in my sock and just. They would never say anything. Crazy, R- crazy thinking. Like you're doing that to the police. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're stealing from the police. Like, yeah, basically. What are you? What are you thinking? But but what I'm trying to say is is so they would just send you in there, and say what? Like how does that whole system work out? Like, well, it depends. Like. You know, if you, 
you tell them, okay, listen, I know such and such, it's such and such place is selling, right? Well, my people that I used to deal with or whatever, and but I wouldn't want to do it in certain ways, you know, like, because if they do it in a certain way where you go in and do the buy and they don't see it and it doesn't touch their hands, you have to write up a whole thing, you know? Um, but if it's like a car-to-car thing or, like, they get the introduction, it's all on them, you know? They're just, like, fake people, fake cars, and uh, so... All on them, you mean the cops? Yeah, there's okay. nothing. I just gave an introduction, you know, so that was the ideal way. But, you know, the dealers get sketched with new people sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I did that like many times. You know, I, I, today I regret doing that because I don't think it was the right thing to do. But my mind, I wasn't, uh, my, I just wasn't a, a human at that point. I had no rational thinking, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm okay with I did it. I did people did get arrested that were doing terrible things and killing people and pimping out girls and were horrible people so i don't feel bad about that but it was what do you mean pimping out girls like what, what do you mean by that like i know what it means but like uh selling girls to people for sex you know um so you're saying there's real pimps here out all, on the island all over that I, I mean i gotta tell you the truth i don't see it i'm not in that game nobody, nobody sees it well know? nobody sees it but what so i'm they saying don't is think it happens <laughs> but you know I, I think that you would have to be in your kind of predicament to actually believe be knowing that that something like that is actually happening now these girls that they're doing it to are they drug addicts too and that's oh, why yeah. they're doing it all of them yeah. so they're all they're doing it just to get drugs, the drugs too yeah. and giving all the money to the to the dealer and then yeah, I was in deep with like some pretty serious people. You know, I used to like drive them to pick up their drugs, have like literally a thousand grams in the car, guns in my car, everything. I was really, really deep with it. And I, but I didn't care at that point. It was just, that was my life. Did you ever have to wear a wire? Um, no, they just would give me like a phone, another phone, which was recording. But like, I, I, <laughs> one time I left it in the bathroom and ran the water because I had to talk about the free shit I was getting with the dealer. So they couldn't hear it. Yeah. Oh, um, you were trying. You were I just manipulating everything. everything. It all came back to to bite me in the ass because uh, I wound up working with a different cop, and they were totally different. The, the original cop was trying to get promoted to the DA's office, which he did with my help, honestly, because he got a ton of arrests. And um, but this new one was like a young cop, like no BS. And I tried to do the same thing, and they knew. And we like were in out east somewhere, and. Uh, they brought me to the back of this fire firehouse. We know this isn't two hundred dollars worth of shit. Where is it? And I was like, shit, my boots at that point. I'm like, oh God, like this finally caught up to me. And I'm like, that's the one thing. Like, even when I when I had police interaction, I was always respectful and honest because I was like, there's no point in lying. You know, it's gonna be so much worse. Um so I just told them, you know, and they were so mad. The shit they were saying to me, like, you skell of a human, you worthless piece. What do you piece. think they're dealing with here, though? Yeah, yeah that's what I said. You're like, you're, what do you think? I'm a drug a addict. drug addict in front of drugs to buy them for you guys. Like, what do you, <laughs> what think, do you think is happening happen? here? You know yeah. What I mean? So they brought me back. Like, I think I told you the story the last time. Um, they literally had me, like, physically shit my pants because they took out the batons like all them it was raining it was like sleeping this is in the back of the firehouse yes no cameras nothing you know okay. and they they were like close your eyes and i was so sick at like dope sick and i thought they were just going to beat the shit i mean they all had their like batons out you know and this was like right before all the stuff happened the last couple of years of policing and stuff so like they were like oh, i'm going to get a, you know and 
I had a moment I thought like what am I doing like am I really going through this right now this is insane and then like I was so sick it was disgusting I mean it's funny now but like I literally shit myself because I was so scared you know that's what they did to me um and I, I like cops I've always liked cops but they just over abused themselves their power and uh they were like, we're going to arrest you with this. We're going to charge you with tip. Everyone's going to do this, do this, whatever. And I, I was like, I didn't want all that. So I just told them whatever they needed, you know, instead of saying, oh, I, I need a lawyer, you know, because I yeah. didn't know. And uh, but on the way to like the precinct, we wound up talking a lot and they realized that I was a good kid. You know, I was educated. Like I just fell into the wrong lifestyle and that it was the addict that I didn't do that. It wasn't personal to them. So they just gave me a possession charge um, and like a petty larceny for, they wrote it up as like some ridiculous thing because they weren't going to write up, oh, he's an informant, he was stealing from us, you know? Yeah, of course. So I, it was my first offense. He wound up getting it dropped because my aunt is a, a criminal defense lawyer as well. And, uh, you know, I never got arrested again. But, um, you know, from there, it's just the same thing for a year. Just a lot of rehabs, a lot of... Well, wait, hold on a second, though. What happened when, when they told you to close your eyes? What happened? They, like, pretended they were going to beat me up to Oh, they scare didn't me. beat you up? No. They didn't One of them gave me one hit. One hit. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what made me shit Close myself. your eyes, and then you shit... You really shit your pants? Yeah, because I was really sick. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have regularly. You know, like, I'm sitting here right now talking about I'm not going to shit my pants, but... God. I know. It's horrible. Pretty traumatizing, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, of course. Um, but... You know, I, I had a lot of experiences where I guess the first cop who I helped a lot never found out about that. And like anytime I had an issue in Huntington, if I got pulled out, they were always cool and let me go. I never had any issues. I was always respectful. I was very lucky. I felt almost like invincible. Very bad for an addict to feel that way. Like the next two years, you know, to 2020 basically was I had been to like 10 rehabs. 10, just this is the problem. Like I say this in a humble way, but addicts who are like smart who start like who you know are educated smart it's harder for them to stop using because we think that or i think i'm like well i'm smart i could do it my way i don't want to listen to other people who are actually addicts who have clean time you know so i always like would go to rehab try a different way to get clean it would work for a very short period of time and then i'd go right back to it i didn't do anything that was suggested to me by people who i didn't really think i was like because i thought i was better than drug addict. you know what i mean and uh so, you know, fast forward to COVID 2020, I had just got out of rehab um, in February and I wound up, you know, doing really well that year, but it was an isolating year for everybody and addicts, isolation. I mean, you could look at the stats. Wait a second here. Hold on yeah. a second though. Hold on a second. So when you came on the show- I was clean. You were clean. Yeah. And then you relapsed again. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, because you were update. real convincing. I was, no, I felt it, mate. I was you, great. Life was I, well, good. No, but I'm just saying. I said I, th I remember when I was talking to you on the phone. And I said, "That was it. This guy's done. This guy is. That's it." I thought so too. And then COVID comes, and we're talking lockdowns now. You're probably bored out of your ass, right? How did then what? How, so, how, yeah, I mean, the best way to explain this. So I still found a way to be busy during it. I uh, you're talking about COVID. COVID. I, I worked out outside at the high school, Huntington High School. I stayed busy with that. Like, um, I wound up doing like gig work, like deliveries for food, like Grubhub stuff like that. You know, um, because there's a lot of money and people weren't leaving. They they were all eating terribly. Yeah, of course. You know, which, and that like, gas prices were still cheap at that point. Yeah, so cheap. So it was, yeah. I was making a killing, and it was twenty dollars to fill up my tank. So I was like, and there's no traffic. 
It was the best, uh, best thing ever. It was. I got to <laughs> tell you, sometimes I say, you know, to my girlfriend, we're just, you know, we're, we're just bullshitting or whatever. And I said, you know, even though COVID sucked and or does suck, that moment, like what you just described there, when it was total lockdown, when it was, I guess, maybe March of 2020, and you'd go out on the road and there wasn't one car on the road. I it know. was it was something Weird. that you could yeah. you rarely will ever see. The no. only time you see that is maybe Christmas Day. Yeah. Or like Thanksgiving. three in the morning or five AM when I go to the gym. Yeah, but on not the at not at not at ten o'clock in the morning. No, no, no. You know what no. I mean? There was no one. And I mean absolutely yeah, no one on the road. And it was it, it was. It was crazy. But but explain so you know, I remember so I think you were on the show maybe two thousand and nineteen. Right? Yeah, I think that was probably one of my times right out of rehab where I was like, you know, fresh, like feeling good and like back. I, I was like, oh, I'm going to get this forever. And then I tried my own way and it didn't work. And then. Uh, How many times do you think you were in rehab? Probably ballpark figure. Like inpatient, probably like with detox, probably like 10. 10 times. Yeah. So. I never finished. So here you are, pre COVID now. How did you get back on it? What, what was the. the you know, you're sober now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so to get to this point to be sober, you had to start using again. When did you start using? What was the last times that you were starting to use? How did you get back in the game of using? So I made it 2020, like six months, I think, till September. Um, my life was good for, for COVID, for what was happening. You know, I had plenty of money because I was making so much doing delivery. Um my health was getting back to where it was. I was really focused on everything. Getting late again, maybe. Well, it was COVID. It was tough, man. Like nobody oh, wanted to. Oh, I want to talk to you about that. That's interesting that you're about to say that. Wait, yeah. wait. So, single guy with COVID. How you know? Terrible. Before I met my girlfriend, I loved Tinder. I was on Bumble. Yeah, I've done Bumble, that. Rumble. That's me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it Bumble? Bumble. Yeah, Bumble. <laughs> I was on Tinder, Bumble. I'd go on every single thing. I'd go on dates all the time. I remember going into the city just so I could change my location on my phone <laughs> and then do a search, and it's like a whole new world. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Hundreds of new girls and this and that. Yeah. They would. They think you live in a city. And then you'd meet them. I'd meet them out at bars in the city, mm -hmm. get a hotel, yeah, do whatever. Yeah. It was the best. Yeah. And then I, you know, but now I have a girlfriend, and those days are long gone. We're talking now, fast forward five years later. And I remember thinking to myself when it was during COVID, I said, I wonder how these single guys are doing because our girls don't want to date you because of COVID, because you know now you don't want to meet up. Well, there what, was such a what's fear the, at that point. What's the pro well, yeah, yeah. I, I know. What was the protocol like? Were you able to actually FaceTime dates? Like uh, oh. disgusting. I was oh. like, it, I was like, I don't even want to be clean if this is the way the direction of the world right now. And that's what dating was terrible. You know, I didn't really go all in like I went this year because I still, as a person, I wasn't where I needed to be. Like where Confident I got to, wise. where I got to this year, which I'll get to. Um, so, yeah, I made it. I didn't really date. I didn't hook up with anybody. I made it about six months. Everything was good, like I said, but my thinking was still bad. And uh, there was no in-person meetings, like NA, um, which has saved me. And Which people, that you said that you don't even realize the these lockdowns on what the ramifications were. Absurd. Forget about just, say, sur surgeries and people couldn't get in for their cancer treatments or whatever. It's the people that were needing to be at NA mm -hmm. or AA yeah. that couldn't do it now. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, 
detrimental to the progress the nation had made on the opioid epidemic. Completely turned it around in, in the wrong way. And that's why I didn't agree with the locked. I didn't agree with anything, regardless of my opinions, political. Like I, I'm like, this has, I said it from me, I'm like, this is going to have such a bad effect on addiction and mental health. And it's going to be way worse than the death figures, you know, for a long time. And I kept preaching that. I'm like, and I had little thoughts like, okay, like I kind of want to get into like health and wellness in natural ways and like certain things. And uh, so I made it six months though. And everything was good. Literally couldn't have asked for, for where I was at from where I had been. I had like 10 grand in my bank account again from being negative thousands and owing people and like felt good. And, but I had no support system in recovery that was similar to me. The people I hung out with still were from my high school. They were still doing regular people things, drinking, doing coke still. And uh, I had like a 10 minute moment where I was like, I'm gonna reward myself, I feel good. Let me call up the dealer, you know? So in that point of time- Which is crazy. Crazy. Which is, really think about that, and it probably happened like, so bam, quick. bam, yeah. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna bang, and then that's it, next thing you know, and now, it all begins. And that moment, you could, it wasn't even, you didn't even give yourself a chance no. to intervene. No. And say, whoa, whoa, wait a second, Andrew, what are you doing? Hold up here. It's just, you're in it, you're locked in it. It's like, you know, like a pit bull when they lock their jaws onto that bite, and it's the end of it. So go ahead, so there you are, you're doing, you say, I'm gonna reward myself, which is so bananas. The thinking is off. It's Cause my, th I still wasn't, you know, I mean, I'm. it's a work in progress still, but like, I think it wasn't right. I didn't have anybody to, you know, call, no sponsor, no nothing, no no support. And I met up with the dealer in like Bayshore or whatever he was, um, another person I had met in a rehab. And uh, I got it and I did it. And I did felt, what? Uh, just sniff, you know, just uh, fentanyl. It was fentanyl at that point. So I did like the tiniest amount possible, literally the tiniest amount. You know, just, just so I, I could understand, you know, because I... Um this whole border issue and the fentanyl coming in at the border, I talk about that a lot. And I yeah, don't yeah, really, yeah. but I don't really, even when I was, I, I really don't know too much about fentanyl, to be honest with you. I, I I would just think that anything that has fentanyl, you're gonna OD. But you're saying though, you knew it's fentanyl and you're doing it anyway? Yeah, because I was like, all right, like it's gonna be strong. And I thought I still had somewhat left of a tolerance because it wasn't like years, it was like six months and I was, I knew how my body worked. How do you know that it's fentanyl? Or is that just, that comes with the territory now? The dealer not, at this point, people want that, so the dealer tells you, you know? And you could tell it's a little different, more fluffy, uh, whiter, obviously. Why do people want fentanyl? Because it's stronger, it lasts longer, and it, it's cheaper, realistically. And um, you could cut it, right? You, oh you, God, the dealers cut it like... Uh, hand over fist. By the time it gets to you, it went through five different, six different cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, plenty of cuts, like the rapper Fetty Wap, who got arrested, who was involved in this whole scheme on Long Island. With, they would get it and cut it like five times and make five times the amount of money from the original thing, you know? Um, so yeah, I relapsed, and then I thought it was going to be one time, and one time led to like three months of hell, and I went to three detoxes up until... Uh, like four months of hell, up until February of 2021, February 11th. So almost one year, exactly. Um, and I went in this last place and it was, uh, it used to be a hotel. So it was actually pretty nice, but they had all these COVID protocols, right? And like, you had to stay in your room by yourself. 
Um, this is at a uh, rehab place. Detox. Detox. Well, both, but I was there for detox. Ooh, like a CK Post? Where no, I, it was not on Long Island. It was upstate. I, okay. for, I forget the name, to be honest with you, because I have been to so many. Um, was it like a religious place? N- no. No? It, it was a hotel recovery center. I don't even know. It, it used to be a hotel. Um, good good people there. and uh, But I had to be in a room by myself until I got the PCR test. Like, Oh, you're talking about because of COVID? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I got gotcha. you. I'm sick as hell in this room. So sick. With isolated as hell, even though I would be isolated anyway if I was sick, but at least I knew I could be around people if I wanted to be. I remember getting up and like looking in the mirror and being like, You're gonna die if you don't stop. Like if this is your last chance at this. Like I really felt it for once and believed it and it's like you have all this potential, you yeah. know. You know, I don't. I don't mean to be Debbie Downer on your no, whole parade no. here, but I mean we're talking now. You know, so we're talking from 2013 yeah, to 2020. Yeah, we're talking about seven years of good hardcore drug taking. The lies. I, I pro- you probably lied more than you've ever done in those seven years, and then all of the other years in your whole entire life, right? Well, so for somebody like me, hearing you say that, I'm sitting here because we're not talking. This happened in 2015. We're talking about this happened almost a year, like less than a year ago, that when yeah. you looked in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. What's the difference? What's the difference of Andrew saying, no, this is the one time? Like, why would I believe you? Because I think an addict can tell any, anybody anything they want to hear. But I think when you get to a point where you tell yourself where you actually believe it and you realize that you truly are out of chances and out of opportunities and out of um, get out of jail free cards and, you know, out of help from people, out of people in your life that are still there. And I had so many close calls with overdoses. I had overdosed twice in like six hours where the cops were at my house twice in six hours, like previous to that in 2020. And Wait, wait, wait. So that means you OD'd, they came. They did Narcan, Narcan. They Narcan. Took me to the hospital, you came come- back, did more, and then the same thing happened no, again. No, stop. Yeah, that's how bad I was. Um, and they tried to get the drugs, but I hid them. I was like... Because there's the law, like they can't arrest you or take the drugs, you know, if they can't find them. And uh, I had just thought of everything that I'd been through, car, crazy car accidents where I didn't even get a DUI, I didn't get anything. I got, you know, just every, I had so many instances of my life where I was so lucky and should have either been in jail, dead, criminal record, but I didn't have anything. And like, I truly felt like a presence, like there is a reason for all this, you know? And that's when I started to get a little more spiritual. So I got out of there. And I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to, to change my life and not ever live like that again. So I surrendered to the fact that I was a drug addict, that I'm an addict. I accepted it, which was one of the hardest things. Well, how do you do that? Like, how does one go about saying after seven years of not saying, like, what's the difference now all of a sudden what are you able to say it more to people or you you wear it almost as a badge of honor that you're not embarrassed by it yeah, like no. what's the difference of that uh, uh, all of a sudden saying i accept the fact that i'm a drug addict as opposed to you not knowing you were a drug addict for seven years i mean what are well, we talking i knew about? i i knew um probably when i made the switch to like the needle that i was a drug addict but I thought I was a different drug addict than everybody else. Like I could do it my way. I had to surrender to the fact that I'm no different than somebody who was homeless, somebody who was in street corners, a girl who's what, selling their body. It's what, all the same disease. What you know? it sounds like to me, just talking to you, 
that that's the point that you said to yourself, no, I'm not as smart as those. Others. I'm not smarter than everyone yeah. else. I'm not that. You said before, there's mm -hmm. uh, there's a smart drug addict. You may have thought you were a smart drug addict. Those are the ones that usually die. And yeah. Overdose, so. so that right there, and that is a humbling experience oh, yeah. right there, saying, I'm not as smart as I thought I was, and I am just like the guy that's in Manhattan mm -hmm. on the street corner in Washington Park Square shooting up on the bench that I may pass by and say, look at that idiot. Yeah, yeah. And he's probably dumb as rocks and whatever yeah. and this and that. But now you're saying I'm on that level. I'm not the smart drug addict anymore. Now I'm I'm just as stupid or just as dumb as, and that's what you're saying was different. Yeah, I said, I don't know a thing about this and I'm gonna listen to people who are clean and recovery in recovery, have a long time. I'm gonna surround myself. I'm gonna cut out all the toxic people. I'm gonna surround myself with people that are like me, um, who work a program, who go to meetings, who help other people who are involved in the program. And I did that. I did everything I was supposed to do. In two weeks, I'll have a year clean, a real, a real year clean, no substances, nothing. And no uh, weed, nothing. It's a huge milestone in the program. A year, the first year is really big, and I complete transform my way of thinking the the way i look at things the way i treat other people the way um you I said before about spiritual do you have god in your life now so one of the things with the program is is like to find a higher power unique to you it doesn't have to be a god so my higher power is not god i don't really believe in a god i believe more in the power of the universe type thing um and i did that for a while I did what you just said. Yeah. You know, not because of any drugs or no, anything yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. but I thought for a while that there was no God. And I just believed in this whatever higher power, but there was not a real God. And I did that for maybe three or four years. And I have to tell you, those three or four years that I look back were so empty feeling for me, as opposed to maybe just, I would say, five, six months ago. There was a pastor, his name is Pastor Carl, that listens to my show and he reached out to me and he sent me a Bible. And, you know, um, he was thanking me for what I was doing because of, the, you know, how the country is yeah, and yeah. standing up, whatever his reasons were. But I sat down and I started reading the Bible and then I started, you know, searching even more and I started listening to motivational speakers like Joel Olstein mm -hmm. and Steve Harvey, who's very uh, spiritual. And then I started, I found my way back to God. And I have to tell you, and, and I'm only saying this to you because of my own experience and you do whatever you yeah, want yeah. with it, but having God now back in my life and thinking now that I have this person in my corner is changed everything to me as opposed to there was no God and I'm just searching for this higher power. And that higher power to me, and I don't know, and I want you to explain it because maybe I, I just couldn't figure it out, but the higher power was in Zeus. Or, or you know, whatever these gods are—the god of water or this or that—like, what when you when you say higher power, you don't really <clears throat> have a substance to no, it. No, no. But as opposed to when you say that you have God, and I'm like I said, this is how it I got get me. it because it, the varying you know differences happen in NA and when people share all the time because it's different like in there too. People have God like you, and the few people have you know the power like the spirituality like me. The higher power to me just feels like poof. <laughs> like you know what I mean, and it's like it's everywhere, and it's and you you don't have any grasp towards it, as opposed to say, God is my savior, or God is protects me, or God will give me that way. It gives me more of a sense of security and more of a belief system than in just saying I believe in this higher power, and you know, it's one day I'll figure it out, or one day I have that. It's it, it's just it's hard to really keep faith in 
something when you just don't know what it is. It's like you're, again, the higher power is like a blank space. Do you know what God is, though? No, right? What do you mean, do I know what God is? You know what it God stands for, but do you know, we don't know what a God looks like or what actually is, you know? No, no, I don't. But I think, you know, the, it's the presence of that God. Yeah. It's that, you know, I, I don't know, does he look like Jesus that we think that he looks like? Is that, you know, something in God's form? Do you look at it that way? I look at it as just this being of one entity that has the creation of everything. I mean, God could become in any form. Couldn't God come become in an animal form or he created animals? He could then transform into a human form? I, I don't know exactly. I, I mean, obviously we haven't seen, so I can't sit there and say it. But the the power of it being this one entity, whether it's a female, whether it's a male, wh whatever it could be, the power of that to me is everything. And that's changed everything as opposed to, I mean, I first went to know God, know anything. We die, black space, gone, yeah. see you later, an atheist type situation which was really empty then. Yeah, I'm sure. To then, this is this higher power, you know, than to still feeling empty. And again, like I said, only five or six months ago that I really gave myself into praying every day, praying to God, asking God, you know, and being thankful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to be thankful in your prayers to a higher power, so to speak. I don't know who you really, I guess God, I guess God could be the higher power, but you just don't want to use the word God. Like why though? Like what is that? Like what is your thinking that way? Because again, I, I lo I got lost in I'll it. I'll tell you how I got to my thinking and what the higher power actually is and works and means for me. Because I don't think it's what you're thinking that I interpret it as. Um, and again, I'm not trying to say that I know. No, I know. I just I, I, I just, respect anybody's opinion. I, I respect anybody who actually does believe in something. So like I'll never be like, oh, you're not right. You know, like if it works for you, like great. You know? Yeah. Um, when I lived in Israel. And I was that close to all the religions and how insane and intense it was. And with God and this and that, I was like, <clears throat> I got really like turned off by the whole thing. And I was like, all these people are letting this like mysterious thing, like dictate their life, this person, this being. And they know it's like, all right, if I tell two people, a, three people a story and they have to like, like game a telephone, right? It's probably not going to come back the same at the end of the story. Um, you're speaking of the Bible now. So I'm spoke things from thousands yeah. of years ago. You're yeah. going to tell me they're accurate. You know what I mean? And it's like, I couldn't just give myself over to that. And, and that's what I mean. Noah's Ark didn't really have like an ark with all this Moses, water. Like, Pardon yeah. the seat. Like that, you didn't, the magic. Trust me. I've tried to levitate many times and, and it just I doesn't happen, you know? So I got turned off and, um, there were certain instances throughout the addiction and uh, and my life from 2012 to 2020 to now, basically, where, like I said, instances of being at the right place at the right time, certain people coming in my life, cert manifesting certain things, in recovery at least, um, where I live, the way I live is like a, a life of being honest about everything as opposed to how I used to be. Um, doing the right thing, but most importantly, doing the right thing when nobody's looking, so not looking for validation from it. Um, and just having the trust in not so much like a higher power sense in the universe, but like I've seen firsthand by me doing the right thing and, and being a good person and just going with my gut, which I, you know, I think is more like a universe, like a whole physics, whatever. 99.9% .9 of things have worked out in this year. Like, beyond what I could have imagined, you know, certain things like 
and you know, I look back to doing the wrong things, and always the the, the bad thing ha- happened. Or like, if even when I did right things and help people, but I needed validation for it from other people, like it, it didn't turn out well. And now I just live by certain principles that I feel like are guided by just trusting that by doing these things, like everything will work out. And if it doesn't work out, it wasn't meant to work out, and it's for a reason, you know. Talk so, about karma. Yeah, right? I'm very big at the karma too. Yeah. You know, um, so I went from a crazy like drug addict with no morals and principles to, to thinking like that and it works for me along with like health and wellness and working out and just all natural everything into my body and I found something that works and I have a routine and I don't change it for any girl anyone I meet I, I'm very have my values like my whole my whole thinking is with everything is just completely different so are you praying at all or do you don't pray yeah no I pray sometimes yeah um Rarely. So, so when you do though, but what are you what what are you looking at? What are you? So thinking? I say something more to the lines of like, if I have a decision I need to make or something like that, whether it's uh, whatever it could be, it could be minor to major to you know, maybe moving out of state. Let's just say yeah, right? because you, I've you, been debating like moving out of state, but maybe yeah. back to or whatever or staying here because I've have such a good support group of people here and I met amazing people. I have good like job situation. Everything is good. Uh, I just pray that like whatever decision I make will just be the right one. And if it's not, then it's for a reason. And, you know, I look back on what I went through, right, with the addiction and all the crazy things that we spoke about. And as much as it sucked, I was going down a direction before I started where I would have been really successful money-wise, but I would have not been a good person and I would have been a terrible person. I get what you're saying. So you're saying it took seven years of my of 20s hitting, and life. And, and hitting rock bottom yeah. multiple times for you finally to be at a place where you're humble. Like the whole thing about what you said about validation is really key. Not doing something so someone can notice it and say, oh, that was a great job, Andrew, right? Mm-hmm. To the point that you just do it because it made you feel good yeah. about yeah. doing it, right? Yeah. It's, it's the it, right thing to help somebody. You yeah, know? and, it, and it, it's, it's uplifting to you and you didn't need the pat on the back and saying that, you know, I, I dealt with that in my life a lot too, you know, having to have that validation yeah. or somebody say, you know, I'm doing something nice, but, you know, did you notice that I did it nice? Or because if <laughs> you didn't notice it, then really it doesn't count. But when you get to the point that you're saying, I'm just doing something nice because I walked away feeling good about myself, that changes the whole dynamic. Yeah, yeah, it changes everything. You know, you said also, and I want to talk to you about what you're doing now because I know you have this that you do with the Islanders, and I want to talk about that and how your life has changed. You're working now for Patch, you mm-hmm. know, a newspaper right here on the island, mm-hmm. right? That's what it is, Patch.com? Yeah, yeah, Patch, yeah. And, but before I get into that, you were saying something about what you put into your body now. Are you doing like an or, whole organic type thing or what is it that you're doing? Yeah, so I was like, all right, the money I'm gonna spend is, I don't care what it is, but it's gonna be towards like my body and, and my mind, right? So I joined this gym, Lifetime, which is the nicest gym you can join on the island. Um, it's like 200 a month for the gym, but it's amazing. And Oh, you, you're talking about, is that the gym that has the sauna? Everything. Everything, $200 a month. Yeah, but worth every penny, yeah. They were going to build one over in Comac. I heard, here. I heard. Yeah, I go to it was the old Target, um, and they were going to build that, but then COVID came. Yeah, and then uh, that's what happened. It was right before COVID, and I never knew about it. My girlfriend knew about it, and her her best friend down in North Carolina goes to one of yeah, them, and it's yeah. like you have treatments. They have it's everything. Amazing. Everything. 
two hundred a month. I know it's crazy, right? So what, what what do you get? What what? Why is it so great that this is two hundred a month? That's in comparison to say, like LA, LA Fitness. Fitness. Yeah. Well, that's where I came from. I mean, yeah. I've been to so many gyms throughout my life, but I wanted to go to a place where it was like strictly promoting healthy living through a lifestyle type thing, not just like oh a gym where you go to work out. Like it's more of a lifestyle, and everybody's very friendly. It's not like you get grilled like at any other gym, and there's a lot of really wealthy and good people there to network with. I met a ton of people. Like I went in there with so many different open mindsets as to just opposed to like, oh, I'm gonna go in there and lift and use the, you know, I've met amazing people there, like new friends. Um, and, you know, I go to the gym like a few days a week. I go twice a day. Like I go every day at 5.30 in the morning, every day. Like no alarm, wake up. I train my body just to wake up, go then. And then a few days a week, I'll go back in the early afternoon and get like a second one because I'll do cardio or whatever. But I track like every single thing I put into my body. Um, I just started working with a new trainer there, gonna switch everything up. Like I've got, I, in February when I, I started a year ago, I was like 215, now I'm 190. And like my body fat, everything, I changed everything. I felt so much better to eat no, you know, processed foods, no added sugar, you know, just water. Processed foods are the worst. Disgusting. Yeah. And I learned so much worst. about the, the food industry, you know, and- You uh, learned it from this gym? From the gym, from the people, I, like the trainer, the nutritionist, okay. uh, just my own experience. Um, so you're getting your money's worth out of this joint. Yeah. 200 is 200, 200. I know, people look at me, but they, they, I utilize it, you know? So it's like, it's different. If somebody is gonna pay 200, it can only go three times a week. Like, or just pay 200 and just lift. And like, yeah, you that, can just you do, do that, that at LA Fitness. Yeah, they do have some really crazy machines at this gym. But, uh, so yeah, I took this, you know, it's just like a natural way. I don't take any medicine at all, literally at you all. You won't take Tylenol, no Advil. No, the only thing I'll take occasionally is like an Excedrin migraine because I can't deal with the migraine. You are, know? You, are you worried about at all that you took such a toll on your body that it's gonna come back and bite you in the ass? No, because I got a bunch of tests done and they said I, they were surprised how healthy I was. So what about your sex drive? Is that back? Like, you know, I'm, I'm being serious because a lot of people take, <laughs> it's like- It's yeah. been a good year. It's been a good year? yeah. Tinder, rocking and rolling. Hinge is my is my app. Hinge, yeah, that's a new one. What's the difference between say, Tinder and Hinge? Because Hinge, they have like prompts with questions that like you can see the person's personality a little quick. See, I, I also change how I look at females. Like I, you know, I'm just a different. I just I don't know. When you're dating in your 20s, right? Like the girls love the assholes, but when you get to like the 30s, it's a little different. They like guys who actually have like some emotional value, like depth. And, and I'm like, all right, I don't, got it all for you now, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's been really good, you know? It's still a disaster on there a lot of the times because it's, you Hit know, miss. it's apt. And I'm not like that. I like organic, but that's not the way of the world, you know? No, I mean, you can't. What are you going to do? You're going to go out and meet somebody now? It's very yeah, rare that you like, can even do that. I don't really go to bars, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so. But what, now, what, when you meet these women, right? Do you have? Do you have to tell them, "Hey, listen." Very interesting subject. You know, I, I don't. I, not right away. Because a lot of times when they want to meet, right? When when I remember five years ago, let's go get a drink. Yeah. But you're not getting a drink. Do you have that? Well, I could say for health reasons. You know what I mean? Well, then that just leads into another Pandora's box, right? I mean, health reasons. What do you? Are you, you I just cancer? Don't drink. You know. <laughs> you know no. Yeah, but I'm just saying though, like. It's, I it's unfortunate. I know. It's, the it's unfortunate, yeah. but you have to, eventually you're going to have to have that conversation. Well, I always say it. Yeah. You know. Um, but do you say it? 
I don't say do what say I just I'm said. Do you say I'm a addict? I say yes, but I don't. I don't get don't a get detail, detail of what yeah. we just spoke about. But I say, listen, I had a problem. I'm in recovery. I changed. That's why I've done a lot of self work. Usually, it comes up pretty quick because we start talking about. I ask really good qualifying questions now, just because like I'm in, on the date or on the app before the date. I'm not wasting my money on, on these girls. Give me yet. a couple of these qualifying. I'm an expert on this. Oh thing. yeah, I love dating back in the day. That's I love fun. It. It's it's fun when you meet people that you could actually. I mean, this time you connect that you, with yeah. times that you're like, listen, I this, the whole time you're thinking to yourself, I gotta tell this person I want to get up and go, yeah, or yeah. say you go to the bathroom and you never come back. You know, it's times like that, you're when you're just like, this is way too much. But what is what? Give me a qual some qualifying questions. So like the whole thing with me is you know even though I'm doing well and like I I have things but like I don't care too much about external things. So a lot of times I ask them like what their best like internal you know values are and like morals. And like if they can't put something together that makes sense, then I'm just move on to the next one. You know. Yeah. Um, or I ask like certain things about. Um, like how they, I'm like, do you work out? Do you take care of yourself? That's huge. Yeah, if they don't work out at all, I don't. I'm, I'm can't no, because they're not gonna understand my dedic like how I am, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's like, do you eat healthy? Like, you don't have to eat perfect, but like, do you care about what you eat? You know, like I went, on, I dated a girl for like a month, two months last year, where she was very pretty and skinny and agreement, but she ate like shit and, and didn't work out. It was such a turn off to me. And. uh you know, I asked them, when was your last relationship? You got to ask now, like, you have kids, you divorce. Like, what are you on here for? You know what I mean? Like, I'll ask everything. I don't care because I'm not wasting are my time. Are you someone, so you're 31, 32? 32. 32 years old. Will you date somebody that has a kid? Yes. You will? I, yeah. Okay. I love kids. And, like, it, you kind of have to expect that. I'm not going to date somebody who has three kids with three different dads, but, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You might bag them, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. you know. Is it... um. Uh, it, how's the whole worried about getting a type of disease thing? Because now you got COVID on top of, you know, when, when dating five years ago, pre-COVID it was. Everybody has something now. Everybody's it's something. It's so crazy. It's crazy, yeah. right? I mean, I get tested regularly, but. But do you also, you know, when you go out on a date, does the person, have you ever got anyone saying, hey, listen, you got to take a COVID test? I would leave. Uh, but I'm saying, like, do you ever have to go? Like, is that something now? Like, no, on the on the site that no, I no. require the that vaccine you have stuff is on there. Like, are you vaccinated? Yes or no? Not that it even matters. But like, if you go to the city, because I was I went on a plane date to the city, like, the girl's not gonna be able to go if she's not vaccinated. You know, can't what I mean? do anything. Can't do anything. Can't go in the store. Can't get bite to eat. Well, the can't last go time the I went. Um, this past weekend, they were very less strict on it. Um, nobody even checked. I think they gave up. But you know, listen, I'll give you a little hint here, and I haven't been, but I heard it on like a show the other day. One of the places that I would take a girl if I was you in Manhattan. It's I think it's on First Street. It's called the Brooklyn Dumpling. Brooklyn, yeah, it's Brooklyn Dumpling. I think it's called. And that owner, the reason why he was on a TV show was he doesn't ask for, and he doesn't. No passports, no vaccination requirements at all. It's called Brook. I believe it's called Brooklyn Dumpling, and it's on First Avenue. So it could be a hot spot. I've never been. And um, I mean, for me though, I used to always go into the city. It's not worth just going into one place and then coming home. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, and that's it. Yeah. You want to hang out there. Uh -huh. You maybe go for a walk. You yeah. Take the girl to Central Park. Yeah. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. But that was a that, that's a place. But talk to me real quick here about what you're doing now in regards to work wise. Eric, can you pull up his um 
the the website that you have, right? With the Islanders, what are you doing with that? Talk to me about that. Yeah, you're so, a big Islander guy. Yeah, I've been a big Islander fan for like 25 years. Um, and when I was like in college, I started writing for a music website. One thing led to another. I got the opportunity to start writing for Islanders blogs, and then uh, I joined, and update my, my headline there. I uh, Yeah, it says you're 29. <laughs> I'm trying to go back in age, right? Yeah. Because I've been writing for them for a while. Um, yeah. So this is one of, like, probably the biggest Islanders accredited blog that they have their site besides their own, and uh, it's through this website, <laughs> Fansided, so I edit other people's stuff, I write my own stuff. Um, Who's know. the best? Islander in your mind of all time, who was the who's the legend? Bo uh, bossy, Mike, Mike bossy. bossy. Yeah, he would have. Yeah, number twenty-two. He, yeah, he my was favorite the best. number two. So yeah, it's my my favorite number two. Um, so yeah, I do I do that, which is great because I get to write about the team that I watch and get paid. And then I you know I also write for Patch. I do the the Huntington newsletter every day and uh, Huntington and Sachem of what's going on in the town news, um, so on and so forth. And I also help people in the program of NA who want to get into healthy eating and working out. And it's I great. Make, make meal plans for them, workout routines, charge them very f cheap, but it's still income, you know? And it's a good place to start because those people place. need, yeah. you know, it's so a good jump off for, that's for someone. That's what I realized I want to do end goal wise is help people struggling with mental health, addiction, get into a natural way of living where they don't need to just go get prescribed something, you know? Are you are you at all nervous? I know that you said you had this transformation that one time that you, you know, finally were humble. But again, it's not, you know, you're, you're coming upon a year, right? You're, whatever, you're um, 11 months. Yeah, a little more. Clean, yeah. almost a year, yeah, yeah. right? Do you still have in the back of your mind that you're nervous about it? Do you still think about no. that you have to stay on guard? I n no, I never think about the actual drug God's honest truth, uh, or whatever. Since high power truth, <laughs> um, because I have got into a habit of a routine, the way I live, the people, the the connections, the that I know if I change that, it will be an issue. But I don't plan on ever changing that. You know what I mean? I understand. Um, so I don't ever. You're moving forward now. It's all the train yeah, is just keep it not, keeps moving. It's totally different. Last question for yeah. that I want to say to you is, um, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you want to be? I mean, your last five years have been, you know, terrible, right? <laughs> yeah. Besides uh, this one, yeah. No, I'm yeah. saying though, you know, before yeah, yeah, yeah. before you got better, right? Yeah, yeah. This last year, where do you see? Where do you want to be five years from now? Um, where I would realistically like to be is. I want to be helping other people with my own personal experience and struggles for them to, to get better in the way that I did. The perfect, Obviously, everybody's different, but like with a, a centralized way of with a holistic health and wellness meetings, you know, not just a, a one size fits all thing. And I, I, I want to be able to own my own business and do that. And I want to do that and become successful and do well monetary wise, but feel rewarded and not like. I felt back in the day where it was all about money. Like this is first about helping people and then money comes second, you know? Um, yeah, listen man, it's always better to have money. Of course. Uh, uh, because you're able to do things and yeah. you can live comfortably. I come from money originally, so I know what it's like, you know? Um, but it's it went from me just about me to me wanting to help other people because of what we talked about. There's such a stigma with addiction and addicts and the people that I met in those rooms are the strongest people I've met anywhere who have overcame 
because a lot of people, even though my story is crazy, you had a lot worse like childhoods and trauma, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think the stigma needs to be changed and you know, like I want to keep talking about it in the public eye. Do you ever um, think about going on social media and like maybe getting a YouTube page and maybe even making videos of what your routine is, your diet yeah, or stuff I like mean, that? I have a YouTube, but uh, you know, I'm like sensitive with, with it because if girls have creeped and found that without before I've told them and it's like throwing them off because there's some like graphic stories on there. So I haven't really been posting, but I just changed it to, you know, like- Oh, uh, you're all about right now dating. Yeah, okay, I'm trying you. to find a wife here. Well, here you are, because you're clean. Yeah. And now, you, you know, your dick's getting hard again. <laughs> so now it's like, hey, listen, I got to get back on there. I got to start looking around. And, and you wanted to, right? You say you want to want to get a wife. Probably want to have kids, right? You want to have a family. Because I know who I am and what I want another person now, which I never knew. You know, so I'm, I'm okay with trying to find Do that. you think it would be easier if you found an, a another addict that is now not, you know, who's in recovery? Do you think about that? Or do you think that maybe you would be... Just easier if you had somebody that never ever dabbled at all. Ex-alcoholic is the farthest I'll go. Not Ex another drug addict. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I can't deal with it. Are you on social media though? Are you on say Twitter? Are you on? How can people follow you or find you if they wanted to do so? Um, realistically, probably the best you could do it from my YouTube page. Well, I'm, I just posted a video. It's uh, recovery through uh, mind and body. That's what it's called. Recovery through mind and, and body. body. Yeah. And you told me yesterday too when you reached out to me that you're going to be on the Suffering Podcast or you reached yeah, out to him? Be, yeah, I spoke to him. I'm going he's to He's a great film. guy. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool to speak to an ex-cop too. Um, it should be out in February at some point. I'm going to film in a couple of weeks and you know, you could hear I've been on TV before. Um, I've gone on like daytime TV to speak about it. I went on this Red Table Talk, Will Smith's wife's fit the whole family show. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, like I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm, I wear like you said in the beginning, like I'm proud of who I am now. You know, like finally, that's the point. Yeah, that's yeah. what you had to get to. Yeah, you know, not and embarrassed by it. Listen, I, I love you. I love your story because you know, your struggle was real. You're humble about it. You know, even though you relapsed even a year ago after I met you, I didn't yeah, even yeah. realize that. But yet here you are, and it sounds like you're on your way. Right, man, it's and, and I'm happy for you. And is there anything that you ever need from me? You know, I, I think you're a great guy, I, like I said. And um, the whole health thing is is where it's at too. And I learned a lot from you just listening to you. And I think a lot of people have. I think you have a lot to offer. So I really appreciate you coming appreciate on. Appreciate that. And anytime you want to come on, brother. Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, good, absolutely. Good combo. Yeah, you got it, bro. Awesome. All right. All right, so listen, let's wrap it up here. Again, another show on the Joe Cozo Show. Um, Eric, thank you so much. I appreciate everything, and uh, we'll be back. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, but that wraps it up for another edition of the Joe Cozo Show. <laughs>